0: I want to jump right into this. I have such a great guest. He is amazing, and he is the epitome of that saying when you say, um, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Dan Blanchard is one of the busiest men I know, and he's doing such great things. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Oh, Elsa, thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm excited about speaking with you and uh, sharing some time with your guests today.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, you're just, you're a wealth of information and energy and all the great things. So let me see now. I I'm just like, this is the tip of the iceberg. You are an author, a speaker. I want to see if I can do this without looking at my notes An author, a speaker. You're a father of five. You're an educator. Um, I I, I'm missing things. I believe you're a veteran as well. I mean, what else, what am I missing?
1: Well, I'm a double veteran of the Army and Air Force, a two-time junior Olympian wrestler, two-time junior Olympian wrestling coach, uh, as you said, an educator, inner city educator, coach, international columnist, online, uh, online university professor, um, speaker, as you mentioned, uh, author, as you mentioned, philanthropist is also in there, uh, and father of five. Yes, yeah, so, uh, that that's a great one, father of five. <laughs> yes,
0: that's your favorite one, I bet. <laughs> um, so you- I, I'm going to take a guess here, Dan, and say you're never bored. Like, that's not in your vocabulary.
1: <laughs> oh, no. I have a very exciting job, uh, my day job. I'm an inner city school teacher, where I am the special education teacher in this special school Uh, that teaches all the history classes. Mm. Uh, And it's in a huge, you know, a big inner inner city school district. So I'm never bored during the day at my job. And then when I come home, I've got five kids that are playing sports. So I run them around to their travel teams and all that. And And then I sneak in. You know, I write articles, columns, blogs. I give speeches. You know, I do online university stuff. Um, I do so many other things that I just sneak in around my uh, family life and my career as an educator and, and coach. Uh, I was yeah. actually lucky to be. I was actually lucky enough the last couple of years to be my son's high school wrestling coach. Oh wow! I mean, that doesn't happen for many fathers, so I feel very privileged to have had that. Up.
0: You know, Dan, if you haven't done it already, which you maybe have. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if you did, You, the next book you probably need to write in between everything else is a book on time management because I, I think that would be like, you would probably make a billion dollars off of that because all you'd have to do is list on it all of the things that you do and accomplish and they'll be like, oh yeah, I got to buy that book like right now.
1: <laughs> you might be right. I was, it's funny, but I don't know, probably about five years ago, I was given a speech in, uh, in Vernon, Connecticut at the, I think the Adult Education and when I was walking out, the uh, director of the adult education came up to me and said, hey, you know what? I think you should write a book on time management. And I said, that's a very interesting
0: thought. Maybe I should, but I'm not sure I have time. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Okay, so I want to I backpedal a little bit. So let me tell you, when I was doing like my research, now we know each other in real life, um, but you know I had to do my research on you to make sure I had all the information. And I went into a little bit of panic mode. I went, oh my God, where am I gonna begin? There is so, so much to talk about here. And I started noticing one really significant thing throughout everything, uh, all the different endeavors, all the different projects, um, the theme throughout, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, um, motivational education. Like those are the two words I thought when I looked at the scope of what you do. Um, so first off, first question, am I right? Does that sum it up well? You know, that's interesting.
1: I think you're the first interview I've had that have brought up those two exact words back to back, you know, motivation, education, lots of people say inspiration, motivation, whatever. Um, but motivation, education, I really do like that. It's all um you can have. It. I, I totally <laughs> like that motivation education and it's funny there's an interesting backstory that goes with that uh, so like when I was younger like I was not a good student you know education was not really my thing um all I did was like I did sports and I excelled in sports you know playing on a uh, a state championship football team. You know, uh, being a two-time state champ wrestler, junior Olympian wrestler, coach, running a marathon. I broke the Connecticut bench press record. I mean, the physical realm was my realm. School, education, I was getting Cs. I was not that. It was enough to wrestle or enough to play football, enough to play sports. I was not that good. But then what happened was, you know, I graduated high school and I went to the Army. But when I came home, it was like, all right, so now I got to do something different. Like, what's it going to be? And it's going to be like the education world. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like a confident student. So I, I the first thing I did was I joined, um, I got involved, I, I signed up for a community college. And then I started, getting, I got straight A's. It made the dean's list at a community college. And I went, whoa, oh my gosh, like I can do this. <laughs> I was a C student in high school. And next thing you know, I'm constantly on the, uh, the dean's list in college. Yes, it's a community college, but I had to start somewhere. So I got in there, I got my degree, my associate's degree um, for um, general studies and got straight A's all the way through. And then I went to the University of Connecticut and studied political science, right? And -hmm. then I went to the University of uh, Hartford. And then I went to another and another and another. And next thing I knew, Elsa, I had completed 14 years of college and had seven degrees, university degrees. And all the time on the side, I'm like reading books, not just school books or college books, but I'm reading like section 158 in the public library. You know, the free books on like, psychology, motivation, inspiration, you know, The Will of Succeed. I'm reading all these success, self-improvement. I'm read- I am reading—I must have read over a thousand of those books. You know, uh, granted, eventually I learned about a thing called Automobile Universal, you know, where I could pop in, you know, the old uh, tapes, if you remember the tapes, yeah. you know, and then they ended a the car radio and then the disc, I was popping the disc, you know, when I was going back and forth, like I knew well all the libraries that I could drive to and get these free like self-help books. So like I said, I must have done over a thousand books between reading and listening to them in my automobile university. And now I just pop on my my earpiece and on my phone and you got the, you know, it's real simple now. They're on your phone. You don't even have to drive to the library anymore. So nice. yeah, I mean, really, really got into the whole educational thing. And I was motivated, extremely motivated. And, you know, and that's thus, you know, the completion of 14 years of college, seven degrees and read over a thousand books, mm-hmm. super motivated. And then at some point I was, I was like, okay, I got to do more than just read. What am I going to do? Well, what, what's logically the next rational thing? It's writing. You know what I'm saying? After you read why not?" So I, I, and my students bugged me for 10 years. They're like, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. So you can tell other students what you tell us. You're the most inspirational teacher I've ever had. So write a book. And I, for 10 years, I was like, nah, nah, nah I was scared. I'm like, <laughs> a terrible writer. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, But after about 10 years, I started realizing, Elsa, I'm like, what if my students are seeing something that I'm not seeing? I'm saying, shouldn't I put my trust in them the way I always ask them to put their trust in me for the things that I see in them that they don't? So I, I finally said, you know what? I'm writing a book, and I said my my alarm clock had already been set at 5 a.m. every single day because I was getting up and like you know going to the gym and reading and all that stuff. When I, you know, doing my, doing whatever I had to do before work. So what I did was I set my alarm for 4 o'clock for the next 365 days in a row. And 365 days later, one year later, I was holding my first book in my hand, going, I can't believe this worked. That's incredible. It worked. It was amazing. And then I wrote another book and another book and another book. I just kept getting up at four AM and kept writing the books. And next thing you know I got like ten bucks, then twenty bucks. Now I'm about thirty books or so. That's amazing. It's been a great success formula.
0: Yeah. You know, I I tell, I've told people before, you know how some people will say, and bear with me as I say this, because it's going to sound like a weird comparison, but I've heard people say that getting tattoos is addictive. I think that for writers and authors, writing books is the same thing. It's addictive because I know when I wrote my first one, and I don't know if you could say the same after you wrote it and published it and did all the things, I actually thought for a very short time, okay, well, I did it. Now I'm done. I, I you know, accomplished that goal. Now I move on to the next one. And um, it didn't work out that way. It was like it became an addiction. I had to keep writing more. Once, once the floodgates open, right? And it sounds like that's what happened with you. The floodgates opened and- mm-hmm.
1: I totally agree, Elsa, with you. For me, it was also like, I kind of felt like the chains- came off of me that were restraining me and telling me, you're not good enough. You know, you're not good enough. you know, I still fight that every single day, you know, growing up the way I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, I still fight that every single day. But that was like another chain, you know, like some chains came off of me when I became a prolific reader. And then when I wrote and it just flowed out and yeah, I needed to proofread it a thousand times and ask, and ask like 50 people to read it for me and, I, you know, and advice and get an editor, you know, I had to do all these things because like anything else, writing is a uh, learning process. It takes a long time to do it. But when I get that first book in my hand, it felt like chains came off of me. You know, at least those specific chains came off of me and it became like addictive. Let me see if I could do this again. And then I wrote like, let's say, you know, this first one was The Storm, which originally was called Feeling Lucky, but I changed the name to The Storm. And then uh, the next one was A Sprint to the Top. And I was like, holy cow, it worked again. I have two books now. You know, so then, like you said, the addiction, the addictive nature of the addiction or just the passion, you know, just got stronger and stronger and more chains were coming off. And I got to tell you, Elsa, for your audience out there, when you, when you do something you don't think you can do, let's say write a book, other doors start to open to you and other chains start to come off. Next to you know, like Elsa Kurtz saying, hey, want to be on my show? And you're like, no, I'm scared. I'm scared. Right. But you're like, oh, wait a minute. She asked me. I mean, that would have never happened. You know, back before, let's say, before you wrote your book or before, you know, someone says, Hey, you want to come on the stage and speak? Same thing. No, no, I'm not good enough. It was chains around you. But wait a minute. Wait, they asked me. They must think I'm good enough to come on their stage and speak. So then those chains start to slowly come off of you. So once like one set of chains comes off, for me, it was the reading. I did not think I was a good reader. And then it was the writing. All right. So then I, and I've always said this to myself. Okay. So what's next? What's logical? Well, Let me see. Reading, writing, doing. That's what I do as a teacher every single day with my students. I want you to read about this. I want you to do this, you know, write about this. And then I want to discuss it. And I want to do something with that, you know, that knowledge. I do that every single day as a teacher. So why not do that as an individual for my own self-education, my own self-assigned homework? You know, why not do that? Read a lot, write a lot, and then, you know, discuss it. Like here with
0: Osa, right? Yeah. yeah come so on, everybody, come on the show and discuss it with me, please. I love it.
1: it. <laughs> do something with it,
0: yeah. right? Do with it. I you agree. Know? I agree with you completely. Like a bajillion percent, because I just made up a percentage. Um, <laughs> you're so right. It's so powerful and it's so life changing to to one to start saying yes. Um, and, and first and foremost, yes to yourself, instead of telling yourself no all the time. And, and I love something you said just a little bit earlier that, um, you grew up in, in dysfunction, um, with hardships that, you know, you have two types of people in the world and there's one type that will take those circumstances and use it as a reason for defeatism, you know, to, to be a victim. Um, and, and then there's people like you, Dan, who not only use it Uh, those experiences to better yourself and to improve yourself and educate yourself and better your life, um, you then take it the next step to help other people, which I think is such a huge um, testament to character and integrity and all of the things that are good. And I I love seeing uh, the things that are happening for you and that have been happening. And it didn't happen by chance. It happened because you made it happen, which I think is really, really Powerful and inspiring.
1: I got to say, I have a powerful story that goes along with that, Elsa. Me and my brother came out of the same house. You know, I, my dad had a lot of mental health issues, and he heavily self-medicated with alcohol. And he was a former marine, so he was a hard-drinking, hard-hitting former marine. Although I think he would have always said you're never a former marine. Once you're a marine, you're always a marine. That was <laughs> right. what he always said, right? But he was a very hard-drinking, hard-hitting marine. And what happened was you know me and my brother we were growing up on the very uh dysfunctional very rough circumstances and you know we were out on the streets fighting you know a lot but what happened was i found sports. I saying, i found sports and i and i and i got on the wrestling mat and i took some of my anger and i funneled it towards like self improvement uh you know initially it was physically you know like lifting weights learning how to wrestle better. And I became a two-time state champ wrestler, a two-time junior Olympian wrestler. And I was no longer fighting on the streets. I had no desire to fight on the streets anymore. But my brother was still fighting on the streets. And while I was getting my hand raised, you know, for medals, he was getting his hands handcuffed behind his back to to be put in jail. He was constantly in and out of jail while I was constantly up and down the the winner's podium, you know, uh, if you could say. And then um, eventually, you know, he ended up like uh, homeless, living under a bridge. You know, and I and then I took my, you know, my success in sports and said, how can I apply it to, let's say, grown-up stuff? You know what I'm saying? So, again, it was a like community college, right? It was college. It was getting a job as a teacher. You know, it was becoming an author, becoming a speaker, doing all those things. And now my brother's no longer with us. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When you live a violent life, when you're constantly in and out of jail and you're constantly fighting on the streets, you know, um, things happen. And you're not going to most likely live a long life. So, my brother was very angry at the world. And he had every right, every right Sure. Get the world, but he did not know how to funnel that anger into a productive path. You know, me, I funneled it. I didn't know where to funnel that except for sports. Let's start there. I don't know the rest of the world yet. So I funneled it into sports. And once I started seeing that success in sports and started developing those success habits in sports, I said, Well, let's say, can can I apply these success habits that I used in sports to like Manchester Community College? And the answer was, Yes, Mm -hmm. you can. And then every time I'm taking up a new endeavor, I just like, just reapply, reapply the success habits that I learned in sports and and I've applied in a million other places since then. I just reapply that again. You know, you get up early, you work hard, you stick to it. You know, you have some endurance, you know, you see it through, you know what I'm saying? You work hard, you know, you constantly learn. You have to be a lifelong learner in this world. You have to be, you know, willing. I mean, you know, it's scary to step out on a wrestling mat in front of thousands of people against let's say the returning state champ and there's a big spotlight on you and the announcers ringing out your name and the former state champion wrestling in the state championship finals and it's and that guy wants to beat the heck out of you and he's going to try to do it in front of thousands of people that's scary, i'm saying but once you get through stuff like that then stepping on a stage Yes, it's still scary, but you know, deep down inside, you can still do it. You can do it, you know? So yeah, my brother never learned those lessons. Somehow I did.
0: Yeah. And, you know, people always say there's always this conversation about, you know, is there a recipe for success? And, you know, some people say, well, no, you know, everybody's path is different and everything and all of that. But I I think there kind of is a recipe for success. And and you just really laid it out um, in in everything that you just said. You know, there's um, there's educating yourself, um, respecting yourself changing your circumstances or changing your perception of your circumstances because your circumstances are what they are, right? Um, It's how you perceive them and what you do with them after in your own life. You know, I always, I always say, you know, so I'm, I, we talked about this before I'm half German and I always say, that's why I'm kind of a little, a little hard, a little stern in my, (laughs) in my, in my thoughts, you know, Um, and I won't go so far as to say I'm like black and white and there's no, you know, in between, Um, but I am a little harder in my attitude has always been, you know, once you identify the problem, you are no longer allowed to play victim. You know, the moment you know what the problem is, it's your responsibility to start fixing it in your own life. Like you can't change the past, you can't undo anything um, that's happened before you, but you can change how it affects your life. So you can do good things with it, or you cannot. And you know, and you and um, your brother. And I'm so sorry for your loss and those circumstances. Um, but that's a you know that's a great example of of the reality of that and how that works. Yeah, no doubt. Like I tell people, like. I was born into a family,
1: you know, they, they tried, they tried, right? Uh, but, but I was born into a family that just wasn't fair to me. You know what I'm saying it wasn't like a family that you'd want a kid born into. You know what I'm saying it was, it was unfair. It wasn't right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But what I did was I created the, um, uh, you know, through lifelong learning and through determination, lots of determination, You know, I was able to become the type of man to be able to attract uh, the type of spouse that I could build a family together with that I deserve. I have the family now that I deserve. You know, I got a great, great family now. I wasn't born into a great family. Right. But over many years, I was able to create a great family, a family that I deserve is the one I have now. You know, loving respectful, kind Mm -hmm. family, you know, is what I,
0: that's beautiful. And everyone deserves that, right? Everyone deserves that. And the first step is understanding that you do deserve that. And I think that was a, such a powerful statement you just made you know, that you got the family that you deserved because you understand your worth. And I, I think that's a, you know, would be such a huge turning point, it is a huge turning point in every person's life who realizes that. And uh, another thing that I love about you, Dan, is that you work primarily with kids, teens. That's that's your focus, right? That that's your goal. And you know, and I I think the teen stage is where they are, m- you know, most desperately in need of the type of guidance. Um, and lessons that you are sharing because of circumstances like your own. There are so many more, and we won't get into that whole thing of that, um, but there's so many more broken families now than there ever were before. Um, so kids aren't growing up with the, the type of family unit that, you know would most benefit them in all of the ways. So um, is that a fair assessment that, that you work with teens primarily? Yeah. Literally, and I got to tell you,
1: I, I've been working 25 plus years, um, inner city, special education, behavioral challenged kids. You know what I'm saying? And these are the kids I've been working with for 25 years. Uh, the majority of my boys, you know, but there's always girls involved as well. So, I mean, I have these kids that just drive most people away. They drive people crazy and then drive them away. You know what I'm saying? But I have stuck in there and I've hung in there for 25 years. Sometimes every now and then I wonder if my world is warped because I've lived in that environment. It's a tough, tough environment to live and work in. You know, most people don't last more than three years uh, working in that difficult environment um, of being, you know, with the inner city, behaviorally challenged, Uh, special ed kids that have to go to special classrooms, have to go to special schools. I mean, I work right now, uh, the last four years, I've been in the the alternative school, you know, with these really, really behaviorally challenged kids. And there are many times, you know, even when I'm bouncing bouncing back and forth and let's just say, and I'm working in the uh, inner city high school uh, that's right up the hill from me. uh, You know, there are many times like I'm looking out at my class and I'm seeing a whole bunch of uh, little Dan Blanchards and little Chris Blanchards. And I'm like, I need to influence these kids to somehow take the path that I took instead of the path my brother took. You know, these kids, they're violent kids. If they can fight like that, you know, they get in the teacher's face and threaten the teacher, try to intimidate the teacher, you know, swear at the teacher. They try to get the teacher to go away and get out of their face, get out of their business. Well, And as I'm looking at these, these very difficult, very troubled kids, I'm going, these are little Chris Blanchards and little Dan Blanchards, you know what I'm saying? And how many of them can I switch over to like Luda Dan Blanchards so they don't end up like my brother, Chris Blanchard, uh, you know, and I love my brother and everything that happened to him was just so unfair. He didn't deserve it. Um, but and he couldn't find his way out of it. Um, but if I can help, if I can help my students find their way out of it and maybe use their anger, you know, in a productive way. I remember I had this wrestler, right? Yeah, uh, this black kid, great kid. And he, he had this black, black nail polish. You know, and I said, hey, I said, yo, I just got a question real quick. You know, what's going on with the black nail polish? And he's like, because I'm an angry black man. And I said, cool. I'm like, I could use that. We could use that. You could use that. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about, coach? I'm like, it's good to be mad. You don't have to freaking be happy all the time. It's fine to be mad. I said, now let's just take that anger. And I got to say, his dad was tough on him. I mean, his dad wasn't as life, which was good, but his dad was tough on him, right? I said, what you do is you take that anger and you funnel it. Right now into your wrestling matches to becoming the best wrestler you can become. I go, and then we can build on that. So let's build on that anger. You know what I'm saying? So if I can teach my student athletes, my students, how to that anger of unfair uh homes and, and uh unfair circumstances, build on that and funnel that to, to find in some level of uh you know energy, drive, success, and then they can reapply that success principle in other places in the life.
0: I love that because, you know, I, I think the go-to all the time is, well, you have to diffuse the anger. You have to, you know, make it go away. You have to stop the anger and turn it into something else. And, um, and, and everything that you're saying makes so much more sense that, you know, that your feelings are really hard to control. So, why wouldn't you try and repurpose them essentially, like channel them into a direction that will benefit you instead of harm you? Um, you know, instead of suppressing you know, the feelings or denying them or any of those things, and and I would imagine that that must have given him and anyone else that you share this knowledge with. Um, it's got to feel so it like just the thought of it, it's so empowering feeling like, oh, wait a minute, I can have these huge feelings that, you know, otherwise maybe would just consume me and overtake my whole existence. And now I can put them somewhere where it's not destructive. And that's incredible. Yeah. There's
1: such an, there's a very high energy in anger. You know what I'm saying? If you suppress it, you're going to, you know, you're going to make yourself one docile. So you're not going to become an overachiever because you're being docile until you're going to make yourself sick. You know, some people get ulcers, other people get skin rashes, whatever, you know, whatever you can do. Some people get respiratory problems, uh, you know, stomach problems, which if you suppress that anger long enough, you're going to make yourself sick. You're going to be docile. Uh, every now and then you're going to have an eruption and maybe hurt people that you love and shouldn't be hurting. So why not take that energy? You know, there's a huge amount of energy and anger. Why not take that energy and funnel it? into becoming very good at something that you want to become good at you know and then from there the world gets bigger. Mm-hmm. the world gets a lot bigger a lot more doors start to open to you and you start to look around you're standing on a higher plateau now and you have a much better view of other things you can do in your life to increase the quality of the type of person you are uh, to increase the quality of the type of people you hang out with you know what I'm saying? and to increase the things that you can do to make the world a
0: better place for at least the circles you travel. That is so true. So true. I'm kind of laughing a little bit to myself. I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. You know what? That's actually really true because I I just realized I do my best house cleaning when I'm angry. The house is never as clean as when I'm cleaning angry. (laughs) So you definitely have something there. Everyone channel your anger into a project and it'll be amazing what you accomplish. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I want to go back a little bit and talk a little bit more about your books because there, it's such a huge catalog. You said something like 30 books, right? Yes. Somewhere around there. Um, which book or books are, this is hard, with 30 of them, which one would you say is nearest and dearest to your heart? Is there a favorite? Do you have a darling? <laughs>
1: Yes, I would say my first child book. (laughs) It was was originally called Feeling Lucky. I changed the name to The Storm. But that book, that's the book that started everything for me. That was the book that started breaking off the chains of I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough. Um, Listen, I wasn't the best wrestler in the world either on my first day of wrestling, although I did win the tournament on my day one. I went to a wrestling tournament, took first place. But, but that was a small tournament. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a whole state level, but that that that's uh that, that's a freak thing. Um, but the thing is, I just didn't think I was good enough and didn't think I was smart enough. And that book began taking off the chains and led to the next book, the next book, the next book, the next book. Um, the storm it felt it was it was it was almost therapy for me because yes, it is a fictional book, but you but authors write about what they know. So what I did was I took my experiences and I took my athletes experiences and my students experiences and all the stuff I read about. And I just kind of rolled it all in one and just wrote away and it just flowed out like I could not believe how it just flowed out. Some of my dear friends who say, Den, I read your book and I got to tell you right now, um, anybody that really knows you, that grew up with you, knows that even though The Storm is a fictional book, it's like you. That's your story. And I said, yes, it is kind of my story. However, it's still fictional. Remember, it's a fictional book, but it's, <laughs> it is so much my story, you know, and I like to include my student athletes in there, uh, students in there, uh, even my very, very troubled ones, you know, they also hold a dear spot in my heart and in my book and my abilities to write about difficult times and how to succeed. So, you know, that, that's where I began. I began trying to just help students and give back to students. And then that ballooned, you know, into other articles, blogs, and books. I started saying, where do I need to go next? You know what? Wouldn't it have been great if my father was more able? Uh, and he was like, less angry, you know, at the world because the world was like not treating him the way he thought it should. I go, so then I went to the parents. So I started writing articles and blogs and books to help the parents, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm like, if the kids don't have to grow up in the home that I grew up in. That's that's a plus. Then I started doing blogs and articles and, you know, YouTube videos and, books about what was next, the teachers, the coaches, the educators. So then I'm like, okay, so everything's under this umbrella. What I do is I work on the teen leadership and I work on the people that are in the lives of the teens to help the teen have better leadership, more capabilities, you know, and and, and want to become a, a lifelong learner because they sit there and they see like, you know, their parents are being lifelong learners, their coaches, their teachers, you know, are inspiring them. You know, there was so many times, like, I remember I had this one kid, Peter. He was such an amazing wrestler. One of just, like, raw talent, raw toughness. And he came back to me, and he he volunteered coach as an assistant coach for me. And I said, Peter, I go, what was your secret? Like, how were you just so good? And he said, Coach, I was just trying to copy you. That's oh. all.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, That's, like, right in your heart, right? Like, oh. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, it's so cool. So. Yeah. I try to help the teens, and I try to help the people that are in the lives of the teens You know, become higher quality people, better leaders, more capable, more informed, and all those things that go with creating a better world for the circles we travel and the people we love.
0: It's funny that you just use the word circle because it, in my head, as, a, as I'm thinking about everything you're saying, um, I just picture this full circle, like this full circle of um, connectedness where you are connecting all of these pieces so that it becomes whole. So that these kids and these adults and these educators um, are all actually working together for the best possible outcomes, not just for the kids for themselves as well. And I, and I think that's such a phenomenal approach and, um, you know, it's one where everybody wins and, and that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty damn good deal. I was going to say darn good, but, uh, damn it. I'm saying, damn it. <laughs> Go for it. it. I've, I've, I've not sworn in the entire interview. I always get, I give myself a gold star every time I don't swear. So now I have to take a gold star off. Um, but I so so tell me now um you I know that you are like everywhere um but I want everybody to be able to find you and and find your books find your website find your blog your articles what's the best way for everyone to find you
1: you know they could just google
0: me Dan Blanchett author or just
1: granddaddysecrets.com or danblanchett.net They'll find me all over the web that way. If they go on any of the social media channels, you know, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Pinterest. I'm on all of them. So they can find me there. They can, obviously, they can find me on Amazon, punching Dan Blanchard. They're going to find my leadership books, punching Daniel Blanchard. They're going to find my um, academia, academic, uh, educational books. Uh, they can find me on Mendalia TV. I forgot to mention that before. You know, I had my own TV show. was TVO's on Mendalia TV. So they can find me there. I mean, uh, YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, so they can find me. They'll have no trouble finding me. Um, granddaddysecrets.com. There you are. Beautiful. No, Dan- <laughs> yeah.
0: I love just- it. I love it. Dan, I um, I um, want. I would make you sit here and talk to me all day long because you ha- are just such a wealth of... Positivity and information for people, and motivation and inspiration—all of those great, magnetic, powerful words. Um, and you're so dynamic. I'm so glad. I and I've known that. And I sh- I should have mentioned that you have your show and all of that too. Um, but you know, I, I've seen you in action. You're such a dynamic human, and you're so genuine. Um, so you are you are a force to be reckoned with in a really really great way. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Alex. I had a lot of uh, fun spending time with you and your audience and uh, definitely reach out to me uh, for the audience. Um, I will return your emails and your uh, contacts. Thank you.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. Okay, guys. uh, This has been the Elsa Kurt show. Thank you so much for watching and go check out Dan Blanchard. Um, He is as amazing as you just saw. Take care, guys. Hey, family. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the reader in your life, why not check out one of my books? They're all available on Amazon and most major online book retailers, as well as elsacurt.com.